Blog Talk Radio. Round one. Fight, 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 fight. My minions, my name is Tom Marquis El Presidente. You have stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world between the hours of 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And uh, welcome, of course, to our affiliate radio stations all across this great land of the United States. It is a snowy Saturday morning here in Indianapolis. High atop the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, Indiana. We're part of that snow clip that just kind of like went right down the middle of the United States. To the north of us, nothing. To the south of us, nothing. But if you're here in the metro of Indianapolis like I am, you're looking at a spring, winter, winter land. Hopefully this is the last one of these that we have uh, for the the year. But... uh, We'll see how that goes. That's Indiana for you, though. Uh, stick around. The weather's definitely going to be changing. We're uh, hopefully going to be talking with Matthew Embry, our IndyCar uh, expert, our official IndyCar contributor. Going to be talking about some testing that may or may not have happened uh, this week at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Also going to be talking about their upcoming uh, race coming up real soon here in Phoenix and getting caught up on that. And NASCAR finishes up their West Coast swing. They've headed back to the heart of NASCAR. They're at Martinsville, one of the best tracks around, I can tell you that. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest is going to join us and uh, help us break down NASCAR, Martinsville, the West Coast swing, Kevin Harvick, of course. Everybody's still talking about Kevin Harvick. And then, well, wait for it, guys. Wait for it. Second hour, March Madness. Nothing but March Madness. Your brackets have probably gone to hell and back. If, if, if you've got a perfect bracket right now, you chose your, you chose your uh, uh, brackets in, in a couple of ways, in a completely random manner. Uh, favorite callers, favorite mascots. Uh, you did not, you did not, and I don't care what you say, you did not pick. If you have a perfect bracket right now in March Madness, you did not pick those teams based on, oh, yes, I know this team is going to be a winner. There's no way you guys picked Loyola of Chicago. Uh, of Chicago. Uh, and Sister Jean uh, story there. Great story, though. Uh, I'm certainly rooting for them. Always want to root for the Cinderella and the underdog. 
Glad to see Kentucky go down. I'm not a Kentucky fan. So we're going to get into all of that in the second hour. My name is Saul Marquis, El Presidente. This is The Balance. We do this thing every Saturday morning. Welcome aboard, 917-889-8516 is my digits. We'll be right back right here on The Balance Radio Network. Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new Beat Up Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything.
All right, <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> that ended a little bit sudden, didn't it? That just came up right up on you, didn't it? My name is Sean Mark Wazell, Presidente. 917-889-8516 is my digits. Well, we're standing by for Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, uh, to contribute some IndyCar news to us, talk with us a little bit about IndyCar. So we'll kind of stand down a little bit on the IndyCar uh, talk until we can uh, connect with Matthew Embry um, of At Popular uh, Open Wheel Now uh, to talk with us a little bit about what's going on uh, in the IndyCar world. Well, what we do know, what is going on, is in the March Madness world. As I said in my opening monologue, there's nobody. I'm sorry. Call me a, 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 a cynic or call me a non-believer, but there's no way. I'm talking about if you have a perfect bracket. Now, I still have some teams alive, obviously, and you know Duke, Kansas, and some teams are still alive that I anticipated to be right where they're at. But for the most part, all of us, had a bracket that just exploded and exploded greatly. You know what? We can look at it two ways. We could say, wow, dang, that sucks because, you know, I had some money on it, maybe an office pool or something like I do. Uh, You know, fortunately, all I'm losing is 20 bucks, so it's not the end of the world. But... Uh, you know, some of you may have put a little bit more money on some of these games. But we saw it happening. We saw it start to unfold, you know, la- uh, last week and w- what we saw happen with uh, the, the fall of uh, Virginia to the uh, Retrievers or whatever it was. Uh, so we have seen uh, the rise and fall. We have seen the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. In March Madness. So we can say, oh, this is like the best March Madness ever because it really is a March Madness. And I think we always anticipate bracket busters, where it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. But I don't think anybody anticipated having a complete implosion and destruction of brackets that we have seen this week. I don't think anybody, anybody would have predicted Loyola of Chicago to be headed to the Elite Eight. Sister Jean took her almost 100 years, but here she is. No, you know, it's all fun. Uh, I mean, heck, uh, she's... she's, uh, She's connected to God, if you will, and uh, and uh, so there's some uh, miracles going on with Leola of Chicago, and honestly, I think they might can make it to the Final Four. Now, I think it is going to be a little bit difficult for them to get past the Final Four. So, you know, in, in a lot of times, we like to see teams go down. We, we enjoy seeing some of these teams go down. I have to admit... Even though I had picked Kentucky to go deeper into the um, March Madness this year, in, deeper into the tournament, deeper into the big dance, dance a little bit longer, uh, I was glad to see Kentucky fall. 
that was that was my team. Maybe you, you could tell us what your uh, team was that you enjoyed seeing fall. Joining us now, though, is Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, and I know he doesn't have a perfect bracket. Matthew, how are you, sir? Well, I still have a chance to get three of the, my four original picks in the Final Four, so that's still in play. Well, there you go, man. You're Michigan, doing better than Villanova, a lot of people. Like are still in it. Yeah, well, I have Michigan, Villanova, Duke, and Kansas still in it. So we'll see what happens. So uh, Loyola of Chicago, our Cinderella team, even if they lose in uh, tonight, but I think they're going to make it to the Elite Eight. I honestly think they're going to make it to the Final Four. You've got to admit, this has been a Cinderella uh, team and it, along with uh, Sister Jean there. How they keep winning on last-second shots is beyond me. I think there's something weird going on or luck or whatever it is. But, well, what is the old thing they say is you better be lucky than good, and I guess that uh, proves it for them. Well, you know, they do have Sister Jean on their side, and uh, Sister Jean has been close to God for like 98 years, so maybe she's got a special communication with God. Maybe that last-second shot is uh, uh, God himself uh, delivering uh, the the last final punch. But good luck to them as well. Let's talk a little uh, IndyCar. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor from Popular Open Wheel Now. Uh, certainly, let's talk about the most recent news, the most breaking news. Uh, IndyCar was uh, set to do some testing here in Indianapolis. Uh, they had to postpone that, I believe, because of weather. Uh, it was not snowing yesterday. It is now currently, uh, but just because of temperature and, and uh, winds and that sort of stuff, they had to postpone that. Any idea to when it's postponed to? Not sure when the reschedule is. Uh, obviously, the bigger news, though, Tom, is how about uh, the fact that this will be the last Indy 500 that ABC will carry after a 54-year run. Uh, after the checkered flag flies on May 27th, uh, ABC uh, no longer will be part of the Indy 500. Absolutely, and I, and I think we all saw this coming. Uh, ABC has kind of just been going downward as far as their viewership goes, uh, and a lot of other things that IndyCar is looking forward to. And one of the things that we know about IndyCar, they're always on the forefront of technology. And one of the things I think we're going to see coming soon uh, is a partnership with a major streaming organization. And NBC also promised uh, a lot of things with IndyCar. So I, I expect that relationship with NBC and uh, IndyCar to grow. I also expect uh, a, a partnership with a, a company like Amazon to provide streaming in the near future. Be curious to see who NBC has their lead announcer. I mean, Alan Bestwick is still a free agent that possibly, I mean, he's done a good job with ABC. It'd be interesting to see if they move him over, maybe move Lee Diffie to the host role like uh, Nicole Briscoe is going to have for the final ABC broadcast this May. I mean, there's a lot of ways they can go with this. I mean, they got a, two very good analysts in Townsend Bell and Paul Tracy. So I'll be very curious to see who the head announcer is going to be, whether it's going to be Lee Diffie or possibly Alan Bestwick or someone else. And we also saw the, uh, Dale Coyne uh, adding Pippa Man to the roster again this year. They've got a uh, Pippa Man and Dale Coyne got a very special relationship along with her, her charity uh, for women's cancer. So it looks like the pink race car, the pink Indy car is going to be back at the Indianapolis 500 in 2018. Biggest question, though, for Pippa Man is does she get in the field? If the field is going to be 35 or 36, I think she's going to have a tough time making it in. Uh, granted, Dale Coyne Racing had the fastest car in Fast Friday, but that was one team, and she was near the 
bottom half of that list and then really struggled in qualifying. So unless she has flipped over a new leaf uh, and is back to where she was a couple of years ago as she was threatening uh, Sarah Fisher's uh, qualifying record for the women's close course record, uh, I have a bad feeling uh, Pippa's going to have problems getting into the show. Matthew, let's talk a little bit about what we got coming up next here, coming up in about the first week of April, April 6th, uh, I believe. Uh, IndyCar goes out to Phoenix. Uh, certainly Phoenix is a very good racetrack, a very exciting racetrack. They're doing a lot of changes out there to enhance the fan experience. Talk with us a little bit about IndyCar and how they prepare for Phoenix. Well, obviously, overtaking is still a concern. Uh, for the last couple of years, uh, there has been a talk of artificially – grooving up a second roof in the corners, possibly to make it easier to overtake. Uh, be interesting to see how that works. Uh, there's possibilities working that in during practice sessions, stuff like that, having them work on, in that area solely so they can get that repaired. Uh, so ultimately, I think the big question is overtaking. And then, of course, the other question is the T. Pesky bounce back. They dominated the race last year. Uh, they're coming off a very poor performance in St. Petersburg. Uh, this is a team that certainly uh, – wants to reclaim its authority, and what better place to do it than the place they've dominated the past couple of years. As we look at going into Phoenix, what teams uh, do you think have the biggest struggle and what teams have the biggest advantage at Phoenix? Well, obviously, Petsky, if you go by the numbers, has to be a favorite. Uh, Ganassi as well. Coyne, I'm still thinking right now, they had a decent run last year, but I still think they could be improved on that. And, of course, having a newcomer, in Pietro Fittipaldi, uh, it's going to make things tough for them. And then, uh, obviously, Spit Peterson uh, continues to make progress as well with uh, Wickets and uh, Hinchcliffe. So they're another team you got to watch out for, I would think, as well. Uh, looking ahead to not only Phoenix, but possibly the Indianapolis 500 when they add Jay Howard to the mix. And then, obviously, uh, the Spit-supported uh, car for Michael Shank with Jack Harvey that's not running this week yet. But uh, he also has to be viewed as a factor when we get to Indianapolis as well. You know, let's talk a little bit about that Sato crash that, that we saw happen. We, we're, we're seeing a lot of advancement in IndyCar safety inside the car. Uh, talk with us about some of the changes that they've made that are pretty obvious, especially when we look at that Sato crash. Yeah, obviously, clearly the safety capsule is a lot more sturdier than it has been, which is always a good thing. Obviously, they've improved it greatly since uh, the near fatal accident with James Hitchcliffe in Indianapolis a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, so big thing right now at this point is uh, they don't have to go to the protective halo yet. Uh, hopefully that windscreen will be ready to go by 2019, if not a little bit after that. And then uh, the big focus at this point is getting, uh, you know, all the data collected because we've had some pretty gnarly crashes at Indianapolis the last few years. Uh, big thing is hopefully this new car is able to, if especially when it's spinning backwards, is able to stay on the ground, unlike the, some of the accidents we saw that uh, plagued the Chevrolet and Honda teams in 2015. Well, certainly someone who's no stranger to Indianapolis Motor, Motor Speedway, the Indianapolis 500, and the crashes that can happen at the Indianapolis 500. Uh, IndyCar Series uh, Schmidt-Peterson uh, Motorsports announced that Jay Howard would return uh, to the team to compete in this year's Indianapolis 500. The number uh, 7-1 Cure Schmidt-Peterson Honda is uh, SPM's fourth entry into the 500 alongside uh, the regulars of Hinchcliffe, uh, Wickens, and Harvey, uh, with, uh, my, also with Michael Schenck Racing. Uh, so uh, Jay Howard to return to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this year. 
curious to see how he fares. Obviously, it's going to be comparable to see how he does against Wickens, who, again, has no oval experience. Solid week uh, last year for Howard. Of course, had the situation around gas in the first pit stop and then obviously got involved in the crash that uh, sent uh, Scott Dixon for a wild ride. But uh, ultimately, I think right now, unlike Pippa Man, I think Jay's got a much better chance to make the field as opposed to Pippa Man, uh, who's going to struggle to make it in. Stephon Wilson, we wondered if he was going to be able to have a ride. Uh, obviously, younger brother to the late Justin Wilson. Uh, we wondered if he was going to have a ride with Andretti. They did secure a ride with him, but his sponsorship is uh, secure now uh, with Hall & Carr, an Indiana-based research and development tax credit firm. The firm will sponsor the number 25 driven uh, uh uh, driven to save lives, Andretti Autosport Honda during the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, Stephen Wilson now solidly in, and I think based on what we've seen with Andretti the first couple races, obviously St. Pete being one of those, I think he has a much better chance than originally I thought he had to make the field. Uh, if he has number six card, uh, Harvey was around the row eight, row nine position. I think Stephen Wilson should be around that same uh, ballpark. So. The concern I had originally with him getting in, I don't think, has, has been lessened, I think, somewhat based on the early performance for Andretti. So what we saw, what we're starting to see is some promotions from the Indy Car, I mean, Indy Light Series. What we're seeing is uh, uh, Aaron Tellitz uh, was scheduled, if they had done their testing on Friday, uh, was uh, scheduled to do some testing in the Verizon IndyCar series uh, with, with Schmidt-Peterson uh, Motorsports. We're going to start seeing some of these Indy, Indy Light drivers uh, make their path into the Verizon uh, IndyCar series. That is assuming they find the uh, sponsorship to be able to take care of that. Um, I mean, yes, you've got the champion getting, obviously, the guarantee of at least four races. Uh, Kyle Kaiser taking advantage of that this year. Uh, still, though, you have to have some money behind it. And I don't know if Telitz has that uh, kind of war chest available where he could make the move without winning a championship. Uh, Clement DeMeo was able to do that uh, with a decent amount of races this year. But uh, it's unknown right now, and obviously the opportunity is not going to be there this year because Stab Schmidt already is running three cars, supporting a fourth. I don't think he has the budget to uh, run a fifth like Ed Reddy with a six-car team uh, is terrible of doing. But uh, I think it's obviously comparing uh, what Telitz does in the future, if he is in the championship chase uh, for the Indy Lights title, it happens to win that title, then obviously the chance to move up to IndyCar for at least four events is certainly in play. You know, I saw where Gateway Motorsports uh, Park has announced kind of a, a unique, something different, and an, an innovative, if you will, lap sponsorship program for its upcoming IndyCar and NASCAR Camping World Trucks events. Uh, this is a simple lap sponsorship uh, program that provides a, a partnership opportunity that won't break the bank, uh, said uh, GMP Executive Vice President and General Manager Chris Blair. A sponsored lap can be used to promote your business and recognize uh, your your favorite drivers. Pretty good idea. Yes, but Indy's been doing that for almost four to five decades. So I wouldn't say that's absolutely uh, unique or new, but that's yeah, interesting to see. But like I said, uh, Indy's been doing it for years with their leader pro lap leader program, so it's not necessarily a new idea, though it's interesting that it's taken this while for other tracks to think about adopting it. 
Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I, I think it's just getting a lot of attention because Gateway has has got a very, very good marketing program, and they've got a good uh, outreach and social media. They've got a good marketing team in place where they, they're able to do a lot of very, very good marketing uh, for their track. G- Gateway Motor uh, Sports Park is certainly uh, a, a, a track that I think a lot of fans like to go to. Variously layout, uh, decent first race there, but obviously you're always looking for a little bit of improvement there in the second go-around. So I'll be curious to see what happens when they get back there for the second running of the Pomerino Auto Group 500K. You know, it's hard to believe we're just a, a few short months away from the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500 in Indianapolis. To me, that is just like the thrill of it all. It's my Christmas, if you will. And we, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, things happen here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, certainly, the, they've got the new luxury boxes uh, out on turn three. Uh, so talk with us a little bit about the fan experience, as you know very well, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah, there's still some empty seats here and there, you know, in turns one and two. There's still a few openings there, I would think, for what I've seen the last few years. I don't know if they do that out of, you know, memoriam for guys like Dan Weldon, Justin Wilson, or what the case is with that. But, yeah, it is definitely full. The snake pit's getting a lot of attention, no surprise. So I'd be very curious to see, uh, like uh, Mark Miles says, that the inclusion of Danica Patrick uh, leads us to close to a sellout like we had in – 2016 for the 100th edition. Uh, at least that's, I'm sure, what uh, IndyCar is hoping for. Yeah, I, I think IndyCar certainly hopes that Danica will put some butts in the seats and, uh, you know, uh, her her final return to the Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway uh, as she ends her career in auto racing, at least as a, a driver goes. Well, we've just got a few minutes left, then we've got to get into our NASCAR talk. Let's talk about some of these games today. Loyola of Chicago, we've talked about them, uh, and Kansas State today at 6 o'clock. What say you, sir? Kansas State can limit their fouling problems. I mean, they had four players foul out of the Kentucky game, and yet they still managed to win that game. If they can limit the fouls, I think they have a chance to beat Loyola Chicago. Uh, it's just tough right now uh, to see where they go from this. Yes, they've had the run of the tournament, but ultimately, whether it's Michigan in the Final Four, even they somehow make the national championship game, they still have to deal with a team like Villanova, Kansas, or Duke. I, I just don't see a scenario where Loyola ends up winning the national title. I mean, they could make the Final Four because Kansas State's so unpredictable, but Michigan has been red hot the last few weeks, and then the teams on the other side of the bracket, all the chaos that happened on the left side of the bracket has not happened on the right. So I think, uh, granted, it's a great story, but I just don't think they're going to be able to get all the way and uh, somehow win a national title. You know, yesterday we saw, unfortunately, we saw Purdue uh, go down. I'm not a Purdue fan, but I am an, uh, a fan that they're from Indiana and made it to the Sweet 16. I mean, the, yeah, the Sweet 16. Uh, and uh, uh, Texas Tech was just a little bit too much for them to handle. Uh, I don't know how much uh, that – I know they, they came up with a, a special break, brace for Isaac Cobb. But Texas Tech Raiders are going to be meeting Villanova, a very, very good number one seed, tomorrow afternoon. I don't think it would have mattered based on what I saw. I mean, originally I had, in the original bracket I had, I had Texas Tech beating Purdue. Uh, There's just, even with Haas, they needed to shoot the lights, I think, to give Texas Tech a run. And they had a couple major scoring droughts in both halves. 
And you can't have that if you're going to advance to and win the big games. And unfortunately, Purdue had that come up on two occasions. That's how they end up losing by 15 points to a Texas Tech team that I think uh, doesn't get the respect they deserve. And I think they will give uh, Villanova a run for their money uh, if you go by what uh, West Virginia did for Villanova for a get for 30 minutes of that ball game. I think uh, Texas Tech certainly could give the Wildcats a run. If not, knock them off and get to the Final Four in San Antonio, where certainly, uh, being in Texas, they would certainly have somewhat of a home court advantage, I think, against anyone else in that tournament at that point. Well, we look at Florida State and Michigan. Michigan seems to have all their ducks in a row uh, to make it to the Final Four, if not the championship game. Uh, uh, Michigan and Florida State Seminoles. I know our our next guest who who takes care of NASCAR for Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, is going to be on here in just a minute. He is a big Seminole fan. But Florida State and Michigan uh, today, uh, this evening, the late game. Of the two ACC teams left, I thought they'd be maybe Duke, North Carolina, or Duke or Virginia, but I did not expect to see Florida State get there. Great run, obviously, Leonard Hamilton, a hard-nosed coach, but ultimately I think Bo Wagner and Michigan is just going to be too strong right now. They are just blowing opponents out of the water right now, and unless they have a bad shooting night, I just don't see a scenario where Florida State gives them much of a run. Well, I think the one game that everybody's going to be watching tomorrow, and that is everybody's bracket, is is uh, attached to this game in some fashion. I would say everybody, uh, Duke and Kansas. You got your number one and number two seed. That's the game of the weekend that everybody's going to be watching. Melvin Bagley's going to have his breakout game here tonight. I just don't tomorrow. I just don't see where Kansas is able to keep him under wraps. I'd be surprise if he if Melvin Bagley doesn't go for at least 30 uh Duke I think finds a way to win that game and I think with the teams left of the tournament they are the biggest uh threat right now to win a national championship at this point Matthew Embry talk a little March Madness but he is our official IndyCar contributor uh from popular open wheel now Matthew where can people find your work and your masterpieces what are you working on this week sir Again, Open Wheel Now our, on Twitter, popularopenwheel.com. I had a story on the peak of the ABC uh, broadcast, and that had to be between 88 and 95, the triumvirate of Paul Page, Sam Posey, Bobby Unser. Need I say more? No, you should not, sir. All right, uh, Matthew, you have yourself a good weekend, and uh, uh, hopefully your brackets uh, stay intact, sir. Not a problem. Sorry I can't stay out. i got a couple other dudes i got to take care of uh, throughout the day. So otherwise, I'd stay on with you guys. But have a great rest of the show. Uh, thank you, sir. You have a good weekend. Matthew Thanks. Embry, our official IndyCar contributor. And uh, talk a little March Madness with us as well because everybody loves him. Some March Madness brackets busting everywhere. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente. We'll be back with Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Going to be breaking down Martinsville in the West Coast Swing in NASCAR right here on the Balance Radio Network. Put some money in my pocket. Keep up. So many pretty girls around me and they're waking up the rocket. Keep, Keep up. Why you mad? Pick your face. Say my fault. They all be jumping. Keep up. Players only. Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim. Here. Introducing the new B-Dub Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. 
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, and welcome back to the ballots. Thank you to Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor from Popular Open Wheel Now, joining us, talking with us a little bit about IndyCar as they get things underway. Weren't able to get their testing done here in Indianapolis yesterday uh, because of uh, the incoming weather. As we are seeing, we've got a winter wonderland uh, anywhere from six to eight inches here in the Indianapolis Metroplex. But, hey, thank God we've got NASCAR. We've got uh, basketball today. I'm making some world-famous chili as well. Joining us now, though, our official NASCAR contributor, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Steve, how are you doing? you got to be glad that your Florida State Seminoles are still in it. Yeah, I had them going out in the second round. So, you know, them taking down Xavier and Gonzaga, um, yeah, I'm pretty surprised about that. But uh, if they survive the night um, against uh, Michigan, uh, yeah, I, I think I'll be surprised. Well, they're playing on house money, but that's uh, sometimes the best money uh, to uh, to play on. Well, we're going to certainly get into Martinsville and talk about the great race at Martinsville, certainly uh, a, a staple with the NASCAR uh, uh, world and, and fans. Uh, everybody loves uh, Martinsville, obviously, because of the hot dogs and the race as well. But let's talk a little bit about that West Coast swing. Wrap it up for us, uh, uh Kevin Harvick got two of the big wins out there. Certainly great race out in at the Auto Club uh, Speedway last week. Uh, talk with us a little bit about the West Coast Swing, where, where the teams are at, and what they've done and as, we, as we get ready for Martinsville this weekend. Yeah, so you know, you're already kind of prefaced that a little bit with uh, 
you know, Kevin Harvick going out there. He won both at Las Vegas and Phoenix out there, but, you know, he had a very strong car going there into Auto Club Speedway, but him and Kyle Larson decided to get together a little bit. There was a little bit of angry banging and bumping and, you know, doors and all kinds of good stuff. You would have thought that you were at Martinsville Speedway last weekend, and eventually, unfortunately for, you know, um, you know, Kevin Harvick, he, uh, yeah, he, he wrecked his car and, you know, didn't finish very well. They actually dropped him from, um, you know, out there in the points lead all the way down to eighth because of that issue. And, uh, you know, but, but it, I mean, at this point, it really doesn't matter to him. He's locked into the chase. I mean, he's got a ton of chase points already. He's got uh, three wins this year. And, you know, he, he's he's good. I mean, you know, that that's just something that happens. And, you know, he, he maybe he should have been a little bit smarter. Maybe, you know, them two were just going at it a little too hard too early in the season. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Martin Truex Jr. finally got some stage points, finally got, you know, a win. And uh, you know, I, I'm you know, I'm wondering if this is now on the upswing cycle for those guys out there. Uh, you know, coming into Martinsville though, it's a little bit, bit different for him. Uh and I don't think it plays directly into his wheelhouse as well as he would be on a two mile track out there like in uh Fontana, California or some of the tracks that are coming up like Dover and uh, you know, these mile and a half race tracks that you know, I can foresee him scoring a ton of just points on and some wins. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, yeah, it was it was Kevin Harvick's. It was Kevin Harvick on the West Coast, and uh, he's a legitimate threat all year long. So do we think Kevin Harvick is just going to kind of be the, uh, the, the lion in the woods, if you will, that just kind of sits back, knows when to pounce, uh, has a very good race car, and he's just going to – kind of win the championship by just winning these stage uh, uh, races and winning the, the, the stage races. He doesn't necessarily have to win a lot of races to win the championship. Um, no, I mean, he he really doesn't. I think once you get there into the chase, there is a lot of opportunities for Kevin Harvick. He's done it before. He did it in his first year there at Stewart Haas Racing after coming over from Richard Charles Racing about three years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there is a little bit of a different complexity this time with uh, the chase. You know, we've we've taken Chicago land out, we've added Richmond in, we've moved some stuff around. You know, Indianapolis, where your home track is now the, you know, is the cutoff race versus where Richmond used to be. So there's a little bit of change in that complexity. Oh, and then the Roval, we're going to go to the Roval in in Charlotte. So I think that's kind of anybody's game there. So, you know, the the way that the chase is set up this year versus years past, I think, you know, Kevin Harvick does have some legitimate opportunities in there to go and, you know, get this, you know, get another championship uh, in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. But, you know, you've got to also continue to watch, you know, some of these other drivers, you know, Martin Truex Jr. We're going to get to the summer stretch in late spring, and we're going to start going to tracks such as, you know, the Chicago's. We're going to go to the Kentucky's. We're going to go to these other mile-and-a-half racetracks out there, which has been, you know, in 2017 at least, it was all furniture row racing and Martin Truex Jr. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, Kevin Harvick can kind of cruise now, you know, through to some degree and doesn't have to worry about whether he's locked in or not locked in because obviously with three wins, um, you know, there there's no way they're going to fill all the spots with everybody with more than four wins at this time of the season. So, 
he's good there. It's just his 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 next goal's going through here in the late spring, summertime stretch, all the way up until Indianapolis, is to continue either getting those wins or get as many stage points as he as he can because you know they do will they will carry you over to some degree. <clears throat> excuse me, in the first two rounds of the chase. So, or I'm sorry, the first three rounds in the chase. So uh, for him, that there's a lot of things that need to go on. And, you know, he, he can afford to some degree where other drivers at this point aren't, aren't locked in to kind of play with the car, kind of work the car, see what they've got. You know, especially going into Richmond, they can do some things that others may not be able to do because Richmond is a chase race this year. Um, they don't have to worry about Chicago, but, you know, they're going to have to worry about the Roval and some of these others that are coming down the line. And I think it's just really for him. He needs to just, um, you know, continue doing what he's doing and let the team, you know, work on some of these things as we get closer to the chase and right after in Indianapolis. Talking with Speed, uh, uh, I'm sorry, we're talking with Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Speedway uh, Digest. Uh, certainly, uh, we look going into Martinsville. You gotta, you gotta know that Eric Armadilla is very Armadilla, Armadilla. Ah, I can't talk today. Well, you know who I'm talking about. That is funny. Yeah, that's what we're just going to start calling him, Armadilla. Uh, <laughs> he's got to be very confident. He's he's not uh, finish uh, <laughs> finish no worse than 13th in any in in the first five Cup races. I certainly going into Martinsville. Um, uh, Brad Koloski uh, is the defending winner out there. Kevin Harvick, uh, Kurt Busch, and Ryan Newman each have a short track win there along with uh, Denny Hamlin as well. So talk with us a little bit about uh, this is a, a driver's track. This track is a lot of fun. Uh, drivers love it. Fans love it. Talk with us a little bit about what to expect here at Martinsville this weekend. Well, I'm hoping that we see the same thing that we saw last year when this thing finished under the lights. Uh, you know, uh, between uh, Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott, those two went at one another, and they went at one another really hard until they finally just got tangled together with one another, and there were some tempers uh, out of that one. Uh, you know, I think I've said before, Denny Hamlin lost a bunch of fans, and Chase Elliott gained a bunch of fans in that and uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that we see some of the same same things because at the I think what we really need in NASCAR right now is we need some more of these rivalries, we need some more of these emotions to come out, and I think Martinsville Speedway is a perfect place to do so. Uh, you know, it's also as you know we've always said in the past that when we get to some of these short tracks like Martinsville or Bristol or Richmond. It's kind of one of those racetracks where you can kind of you can get back at somebody where you know maybe Kyle Larson and Kevin Harvick felt like you know one another did the other wrong or you know whatever the case may be. I'm just picking that one out because of all the club last weekend. But you know it, it's been traditionally a track where you know you you can get a little bit of payback, and we've seen that in the past with uh, Kenseth and Logano, and you know. Hopefully, you know, we continue to see those things because that's what we really need. We need some storylines of emotion. We need some storylines of, you know, those those drivers' personalities coming back out. And this is, a, again, a perfect place because this is where every single driver that is in the Monster Energy Cup Series today, you know, started at. These half-mile, you know, tracks out there in their local neck of the woods, their home tracks, and this is a quintessential NASCAR, you know, this this track has been on the schedule every single year that NASCAR has been in operation, and it even predates it. 
and we've seen a history of, you know, over the years that there's a lot of rivalries that come into Martinsville. There's some that get settled, and there's some that leave out of Martinsville that go on for weeks afterwards. You know, as to your point to Eric Almirola, he's had a turnaround year this year. He wasn't running as well. He didn't run very well with Petty last year. He had that accident there at Kansas that put him out for multiple weeks. And uh, Darrell Wallace Jr. was in the car. He he showed some impressive speed in that car. And, you know, Eric Almirola, when he came back, he just didn't seem to have the groove. And Richard Petty, you know, seemed that they were moving in a different direction. So, you know, that kind of compounded some of his runs in, in 2017. But this year over at Stuart Haas Racing, it, he you're, yeah, you talk to the 13th. I mean, he was top 10 every single week to all the way up until then. And he's putting a lot of points up on the board. He's doing a lot of things that are a lot different this year. I think, you know, moving over to a new team has been helpful for him in many different aspects, it, it, not only with having some other veteran status drivers over there in that stable, such as, you know, Kurt Busch or Kevin Harvick, but, you know, Stuart Haas Racing as a whole is running better. Every single one of these cars are, you know, could essentially be locked into the chase right now if it were to end up today. Um, and we've not seen that out of Stuart Haas Racing, and I'm not going to go down the road as to why, but, you know, it, it's something that we've seen in the past that they've had a little bit of, uh, you know, some, some, you know, uh, I don't know how to really put it nicely, but, you know, some drivers that have not been competitive on the level that de- they needed to be. And Eric Almirola has definitely shown that that was a good hire over at Stuart Haas Racing. Jimmy Johnson, don't leave him out. He's he's won multiple different times there at Martinsville Speedway, just as Hendrick Motorsports and Jeff Gordon and other others in that stable have over their time. So when we're talking about some of these, Jimmy Johnson may not have the best weeks uh, leading into this, and I think this could be a turnaround for him. We're talking with uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. All three series are in action this weekend at Martinsville. The trucks are back on the track. Uh, uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, has a couple dri- young drivers uh, taking the, tr- the track as well. Uh, Timothy uh, Peters uh, returns to the truck series at his home track. Talk with us a little bit about the Camping World Truck Series uh, today in Martinsville. If you think if you think the Cup Series is is going to be wild and crazy and, and chrome horns and tempers flaring, then you know you need to watch the Truck Series race. Uh, you know this, this is a place that there has been a lot, a lot of bumping and banging and and you know wheels the doors and middle fingers being flicked at people and you know all kinds <laughs> of good stuff that have happened. Uh, you know, right now, you know, we're we're hoping that, you know, the race is even going to get in today. There's there's a threat of snow. You know, everybody is sitting there wondering when the snow is going to start, how long it's going to last, how much it's even going to put on the ground. And it may even impact not only today's race, but, you know, tomorrow's race as a whole. And, you know, there's a lot of considerations that, you know, right now are being made. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, in honesty, what I would like to see is, I would love to see them, you know, the, to to run tomorrow night. That that that's their contingency plan. Is NASCAR is going to run the truck series tomorrow night at seven o'clock if they can't get this thing in today? And you know, honestly, I would like to see something like that occur. Um, but you know, as far as the truck series, yes, you know, Kyle Benjamin is coming back. You know, he's going to get that rod that's you know partially you know run with cooperation with KBM. 
uh, over there at David Gilliland uh, Crosley Racing. So those guys are, you know, trying to, you know, really build a program around this where they've been very successful in the short tracks and they've been very successful in K&N and other ventures that they've had out there for David Gilliland Racing. As far as Timothy Peters, yeah, he's making his back, he's making his return, uh, you know, to the Camping World Truck Series after you know last year he was off and on with other teams after you know Red Horse Racing closed out, closed their shop, and you know for him, you know he he's run this track many many times. He's run it not only in the Truck Series but he's run it in the late model race. He's right outside of Danville, Virginia, which is his home, and you know I think I think this is a place that you know. Um, you know, uh, Rick and Denton Racing, they, they, they could potentially, you know, get a very good finish out of this, especially with a veteran like Timothy Peters. But don't forget, Door Sport Racing and some of these other teams out there, they're they're chasing the, the full-time, you know, uh, uh, championship down. And since they've moved over to Ford, you know, there's there's been a little bit of a learning curve for them, but they seem to be very successful. And for all these drivers that's going to be out there today, patience is really going to be the key. Uh, you can't make 250 laps around there if you're just beating and banging on one another every single lap and, you know, bend a, bend a wheel or, you know, punch a radiator or, you know, do something that is avoidable. And that, that patience is really just going to be a factor into all day at 250 laps around Martinsville. So we move on over to the Xfinity Series, who also is going to be hopefully in uh, uh, today and mention some snow. I tell you what, it is uh, no doubt about it snowing here in Indianapolis. Uh, I think we're at about four to six inches right now. So, uh, yeah, at least they're not going to get that much snow down in uh, Martinsville. But the Xfinity Series uh, race as well. Uh, certainly, we look at Elliot Sadler, uh, rookie uh, Tyler Reddick, uh, Justin Alger, uh, Christopher Bell, uh, Daniel Hemrick, uh, Cole Custer, uh, Spencer Gallagher, Ryan Truex, and Brandon Jones, and Matt Tift round out the top ten. Are we going to start seeing some regular Xfinity Series racers or drivers uh, begin to take the checkered flags? Um, you know, I, I think we're we're not going to start, unfortunately, seeing that until we get to these some of these either dash for cash or we get into the chase. Um, you know, these teams are very strong, especially when Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, uh, you know, Kyle Busch, you know, Kyle Larson, all these other drivers, they come down into the Xfinity series. And, you know, this, this has been a trend that's been continuing, you know, over many, many years to the point that we're kind of at, you know, where, where a majority of the races are being won by these cup drivers coming down into that series. And NASCAR has tried to do what they can in the fact of limiting how many races each of these drivers can come down and race in this year. It's five, uh, you know, in the past, it's been more than that. And, you know, even prior to that, um, they could run on a limited amount of events, both in the Kansas World Truck Series and the Xfinity Series. First off, I think it's good that they are coming down there because a lot of drivers do say they like to learn. They like to see what some of these cup drivers are doing. So it gives them, a, a, you know, an advantage into the fact that they get to learn with some of the best in the business. But unfortunately, sometimes for the TV viewers at home or those at the racetrack, when they watch a Kyle Busch, you know, dominate, you know, 249 out of the 250 laps or 
You see, you know, Joey Logano and, you know, uh, uh, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blamey, Kyle Larson, or any of these other drivers do the same or win these races. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you're taking away from, you know, some of these other drivers that are competing on a weekly basis that are chasing that championship down, like Justin Algar, like, um, you know, Elliot Siler. You know, um, Elliot Siler got locked out of the chase or, you know, didn't get to go into the final race because just a few points. And I think you could argue the fact that, you know, if the cup drivers weren't there, I think he would have been into into the chase. Same way with Cole Custer. Cole Custer, he uh, – he got locked out of the chase um, just over a matter of one or two or three points last year. And, you know, there's arguments to go around on every aspect of this. Um, you know, is there a fine balance that we could see? Um, I think NASCAR is trying to temper that down because, you know, A, there really is, you know, a, a, an aspect of learning that these drivers can learn from these cup drivers, but at the same time, it kind of takes away from, you know, what uh, the Xfinity series is. And, you know, their moniker over the years is, you know, uh, to the fact that this is, you know, where drivers learn, this is where drivers are made. And, you know, sure, you can argue that to a point, but if they're they're not out there and they're not running up front and and the show is being taken over by some of these drivers um, from the Cup series – yeah, I think you could argue it either way. Um, the other aspect of this is, you know, the advertising and, you know, the, the sponsorship. You know, Kyle Busch has continuously said that if it weren't for him getting into the truck, if it weren't for him getting in the car, these other drivers wouldn't have an opportunity because it's something that they can sell sponsorship and partnerships on, saying that Kyle Busch is going to get in this car, he's going to get in this truck, and he's going to run X amount of races, and sponsors know when he gets in the car or gets in the truck, he's going to win. But it also gives that opportunity for the sponsor to also put somebody else in the car and develop them at the same time for maybe a smaller rate than it would be to go full in with a Kyle Busch or a Brad Keselowski in, in the Cup Series. So there's many different aspects to this. Um I could argue it both ways. I just think it. I think we just need to find the fine balance, and I think that's what NASCAR is eventually going to get to, with the amount of races, and you know, no points, and you know, all the other things that come along with you know their limitations to coming down into these series. Well, we we move on to the Monster Energy, the Big Boys series, if you will, out at Martinsville tomorrow. You got Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Brad. Kalowski, Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamilton, Kyle Larson, Kevin Harvick, uh, Clint Boyer, and there he is again, Eric Armola. <laughs> uh, rounding out the top ten, what say you, sir? Oh, you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do qualifying later on this uh, afternoon, and I think it'll be very interesting as to see what happens. Uh, I, I'm going to peg some stuff on uh, Denny Hamlin, uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Brad Keselowski because these guys are you know they they know how to get around the track. Uh, you know some of the drivers that have left, like your Jeff Gordon's, your Tony Stewart's, and Matt Kenseth's, and others. Uh, that gives an opportunity and an opening for new drivers to develop. We saw that last year in uh, Chase Elliott in his rookie season to to come down to a Martinsville and develop as a driver, to run up front as a driver. And, uh, you know, 
I, I don't think that you can count out, um, you know, uh, you know, like your Eric Almeroles, like your Kevin Harvick's and uh, Kurt Busch. You know, these drivers are at Stuart Haas Racing are, you know, seem to be the class of the field right now. And uh, Joe Gibbs Racing is is falling down a little bit, like they do early on in the season. Kyle Busch is uh, struggling just a tad bit, but not too bad. Um, I don't look for them to make but so much noise, except with the exception of, like I've already said, uh, Denny Hamlin and I think Martin Truex Jr. I think he'll, um, you know, he'll have a good day, but he's not going to go out there and uh, put up a whole bunch of points. Well, let's talk a little bit uh, why we still got you here on setting your NASCAR fantasy lineup. Uh, I'm Hey, I'm number two in the uh, Speedway Digest uh, Racing League. I was number one. Gotten beat out by a guy by the name of NASCAR Brett. Well, that's okay. I'm coming for him. Uh, let's get our fantasy lineup uh, set uh, today. Uh, who, who gets the poll? Um, I, I'm taking Danny Hamlin uh, to take the poll. Denny Hamlin to take the poll. Um, I and I don't know why I feel this way. So I don't really have a good reason. Just the just the fact that I like the way that he's ran. And I know he does well on the short track. I'm going to pick Austin Dillon to get the poll today. Uh, who gets your first stage winner? Uh, I'll, I'm going to go with Hamlin in the first stage also. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that that train with you as as well. Denny Hamlin, the first stage winner, uh, the second stage winner. Uh, uh, let's see. You know, I, I, that's getting a little bit uh, through the mid part of the race, and um, you know, by that point, some attrition is already starting to kick in. Um, I'm going to say that by this point that Jimmy Johnson is going to work that slow and methodical way up to this point in the race and take the stage two win. All right. Uh, stage two, I've got Brad Koloski winning. Uh, stage three, sir. Uh, Johnson, I think, is going to take the win. Um, not only stage three, but the win at the end of the day. So, Johnson, you got for the winner. There there you go, sir. And uh, let's see here. One more. Uh, the manufacturer winner. Uh, I, oh, by the way, for stage three, I've got Clint Boyer. Uh, and who is your manufacturer winner tomorrow? You just gave Chevrolet. away. But we'll go ahead and have you see. <laughs> I've got Ford. I like this Ford train. I'm on the Ford train right now. They did me well. Steve Wilson, uh, Speedway Digest, our official uh, NASCAR contributor. Good luck to your uh, Florida uh, State Seminoles. Are you, can you do a... Uh, a uh, Florida State uh, war chant for us real quick? No, I, I'm not going to do the war chant. <laughs> All right, Steve, you have yourself a good weekend. Where could people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. Uh, we got Nick Olson out there this weekend covering some of the events of the Truck Series today. The STP 500 tomorrow afternoon, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series racing. Um, so follow along. We'll have all kinds of good stuff out there. And as far as NASCAR, Brett, that is Mr. Brett Winningham, the senior editor for Speedway Digest. Uh, you got to watch out for him oh, because he okay. is uh, uh, he 
he he he is very analytical in the way that he uh, picks some of these drivers. So uh, I I I expect him to continue to improve throughout the season. Good luck on chasing him down, though. <laughs> All right, we'll do that. All right, uh, uh, Steve, you have yourself a good weekend and good luck to your Florida State Seminoles. Thanks. Take care. Bye. All right. Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, joins us talking NASCAR back from the West Coast, and they're down in Martinsville. Hopefully they don't get some snow down there. Uh, Who ever heard of a NASCAR race getting snowed out, but it very well might happen. It's certainly happening here in Indianapolis. My name is Tom Michaels. We'll be back with Rick Riggin. Going to be jumping into some of this uh, March Madness talk, and also, you know, we're still talking some NFL free agency and and getting prepared for the draft right here on the Balance Radio Network. What y'all trying to do? 24 carats magic in the Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new Beat Up Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything.
All right, and welcome back to The Balance, one hour in the books. My name is Tom Marquisell, Presidente. Thank you to Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor from Popular Open Wheel Now, uh, talking with us a little bit about the IndyCar news and uh, well, certainly big news uh, happening with IndyCar uh, this week as they announced that NBC will be their broadcast sponsor for the 2019 Indianapolis 500, uh, parting ways with ABC, which has been their uh, broadcast partner for decades. And also, uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, breaks down the West Coast swing. Uh, in uh, NASCAR and uh, Martinsville this weekend, talking about a little snow down there. So we might see a lot of racing tomorrow and underneath the lights as well. Uh, but certainly uh, joining us now is the one, the only Rick Riggin, our college analyst and all-around good guy from Evansville, Indiana. Uh, Rick, I don't think you're getting the weather that we're getting up here. Uh, I think I'd rather have the weather getting because we're just getting a ton of rain here. I'd rather just have the snow instead of the uh, pouring down rain all day. Well, I'll send you a picture later of my backyard. You may not want the all snow. Right. We are, I think, somewhere uh, around four to five inches right now, and it is still falling at a good clip. So a, a uh, nothing like a spring uh, winter storm. Yeah, I was going to say, well. it's supposed to be spring, and now we're, you're getting five to six inches of snow in the <laughs> springtime. <laughs> I know it. I know it. All right, Rick, we got some brackets to break down. We're going to do that here in just uh, a few minutes. But I want to talk with you about your trip down to Nashville. I hear you had a good time down there. Talk with us about uh, what it was like there, the environment, what it was like. I know you were supposed to call in. I'm going to crucify you because you did not, because you chose to indulge in adult beverages too much, too long, and were unable to call in either Saturday or Sunday. Consider yourself Banish. Shame, 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 shame. <laughs> Go ahead, Rick. So, uh, yeah, I really, I really did want to call in last weekend, but have you ever been to Broadway in Nashville and done that whole honky-tonk scene? Have you ever done that? I, I have not. I've heard about it, but I have not done it. All right. Well, if you ever get a chance to do it, if you ever go do it, then you'll understand because there are some rough mornings to be had and uh, had last weekend, and that is the reason <laughs> why. I mean, I mean, the, it's really set up bar, 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 boot store, bar, 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 boot store, and that'll work for like eight or nine blocks. So it is, uh, it's a crazy scene. It's probably the best bar scene in the country, I think. I haven't been to Bourbon Street in New Orleans or anything yet, but I've been to Bill Street in Memphis, and that's nothing compared to uh, Nashville. I've been to 4th Street Live in Louisville. I've been up to Broad Ripple up in Indy and, and you know, the places downtown. None of that compares to this honky-tonk scene in Nashville. So that is the reason why I was not able to call in last week. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll let it slide. Yeah, I was going to tell you, Broad Ripple here in, in, in Indy is uh, – uh, a pretty big uh, bar scene. I'm, I'm a little bit outgrown it by now, but yeah, I, it's been years since I've been yeah. down there, but it doesn't compare, huh? No, it's not even close. You'll have to just get down there and, and see for yourself. It, it's nuts. We'll, we'll we'll make it we'll make a day of it sometime. Uh, so talk with us a little bit about. I know you, you were down there. You saw some some uh, game action. What what was going on with you down there, sir? Uh, so I'm going to write about this probably this weekend or, or this week just my experience because uh, it, it was really cool and it all started uh, the Friday night because the, the Friday and Sunday games that that's 
the first or second round that I went to in Nashville. And Friday nights when the UNBC beat Virginia. And uh, we were sitting in the stadium oh, yeah. watching the – Yeah. We we were in the, the stadium watching Florida State, yeah, Florida State, Missouri was the game going on in Nashville. And uh, I think we were – uh, for that was session two, we were somewhere around 15th, 20th row from the floor, I guess, for that. Uh, tonight, I, we met, uh, we didn't meet, but we saw Bill Murray. I don't know if I told you that, that he was in the house. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was he there because it's – yeah, 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 yeah. We did talk about that. So about halftime at that Florida State-Missouri game, you know, we're all on our phones, and we're seeing UNBC is up on Virginia. And it's in the second half. It's still a long ways to go in the second half. I was like, hey. UMBC is up on Virginia, so uh, we wait a few more minutes, and the lead keeps increasing. Now there's getting a little bit more less time in the second half, so we get up. We go up to the concourses. They have TVs out in the concourses, and they're probably like 40, 42-inch TVs, not real big, and we find that UMBC and Virginia game, one of those TVs, start watching it there. Then a crowd starts forming around us, and now all of a sudden, I, I bet there's about five to 600 people trying to crowd around this little 42-inch TV in the concourse of Bridgestone Arena watching this UMBC Virginia upset instead of watching the live game that was going on in that stadium. So that right there, Friday night, was a great experience. <laughs> well, you know what, absolutely. And it was, it's a great experience that uh, to, to whenever you see a number one seed get upset by a number uh, 16 seed or whatever it was, it's a great, great game and a great, a great matchup. Unfortunately, they weren't able to to get any further past the the second round. Uh, talk with us a little bit about your bracket. I tell you what, I I don't care, and I I I, I you you can call me a cynic if you want, but there's no if anybody has a perfect bracket still intact, it's because they went there's by no some way. sort of random order. <laughs> yeah, they, they went by by. They went by some random order, or they picked my favorite color, or something. But this has just imploded from the inside out. A lot. On one hand, you might say it's a lot of fun to see this kind of March Madness because this is great. Or the other hand, you might say, "What? Damn!" So, uh, talk with us a little bit about your bracket. Is glory? Anybody left? Uh, I still got Nova win at all. Uh, I had uh, Virginia, UNC, I believe, in the Final Four, how that play out, and UNC beating Virginia to play against Nova in the championship game. But Virginia and UNC are both out. So, I mean, really all I have left is, is Duke and uh, Villanova, but I have Villanova playing North Carolina for the title. So that's all That's all I have left in my Final Four. Other than that, but it was completely busted that, that Friday night with Virginia going down. Uh, if someone has a perfect bracket still, like you're saying, which uh, I, I just I can't see that even being close to kind of possible, but they'd have to be a time traveler or something to have themselves a, a DeLorean where they can skip ahead and go back in time and whatever, and you know how Marty McFly brought the uh, sports gambling book back from 1953 and was able to gamble <laughs> all these games or whatever it was. <laughs> that is how someone had a perfect bracket. They, they'd have to have a. a, a Time travel machine like uh, the the yeah, DeLorean. Well, maybe they're a uh, interdimensional time traveling vampire. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't get to tell you about the uh, games I went to on Sunday at thir- that third session there. 
That game that night was uh, Nevada-Cincinnati, which uh, Nevada was down 24 points in the second half and came back and won. And then uh, Florida State that night beat Xavier. So the one and two went down. That was, that was my Sunday night in Nashville. <laughs> oh, those were some great games. I'm sorry. I had something pop up in my ears. You know, I, I've said it before. Oh. I hate these auto pop-ups in your ears, you know. You know how it goes, Rick. Rick. Yeah. All right, Rick. Let's uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna venture off of uh, basketball for a little bit because we do have some action that's happened in the NFL this week. Talk with us a little bit about the trade back uh, to number six with the Jets and the Indianapolis Colts move on that. I think it was a great move. I, I it was a no brainer if you ask me. But now they're they're stuck. Where who they go, who they going to get? Who they going to take? Uh, talk with us about the Colts. Their their trade back. And now they, they are drafting number six. It, we would think they're going to stay there. Who do they pick up? Well, I, I think the the more we see these quarterbacks uh, have their pro days and more of these trades happening for other teams trying to move up to get themselves a quarterback, we're going to see Saquon Barkley start to drop down a little further and further. And right now, you know, Saquon Barkley might have went two or three. He, it's, that's looking more like – with these uh, teams trading up to get quarterbacks, he might be sliding down to that five or six spot. So it, it's hard to say yet, but I, I think Saquon Barkley still might be on the board at five or six. If that's the case, that's going to be the Colts man. And five and six, seventh pick, whatever also, is also for Quentin Nelson. So they didn't go offensive line. They didn't get themselves a good running back. I think there's two players right there around that sixth spot, Quentin Nelson and Saquon Barkley. I think the culture looking good at number six. I tell you what, if we could pick up Barkley, that would be awesome. You know, here, here, here's the thing, and, and I know that Ballard and uh, Coach Reich were up at South Bend yesterday visiting uh, with Quentin Nelson. Now, does that mean that they're, they, they've made their mind up on him? No, but it does mean that they realize that there's a good possibility that Quentin Nelson uh, will, will be there. I think a lot of people don't like the idea of drafting a guard in the first round, uh, so maybe if Barkley is there, they do pick him over uh, Nelson. So let's talk a little bit about what's happened in the um, in the in the uh, free trade and uh, free agency and trading uh, around. The Browns have uh, have moved things around and they still have room uh, to move. Uh, so certainly uh, one would think the logic would be that they would go with a quarterback. And I think everybody kind of has the feeling and knowing that the Cleveland Browns go with uh, number one overall pick Sam Darnold QB out of USC. Yeah, I think that's going to be right. He just had his pro day also. It was raining. He wore a hat. He wore flip-flops and swim trunks or something like that when he threw a couple of days ago in the rain. Uh, honestly, I don't know why guys have pro days anymore. Uh, like Saquon Barkley, they had a pro day for Penn State, but none of the running back coaches in the NFL showed up for the pro day. And like Saquon Barkley, these are a pro day anyway. I'm not sure what the pro day does for your draft status. Moves you down. Uh, maybe it's just like a chance to see if you've changed something mechanically since, you know, the college season until now. I don't really know. You know, if Ed was talking with us, he could probably tell us. But for me, anymore, I don't see the reason for a pro day. Yeah, I think it's more just to get a closer look, a second interview, if you will. You look at the first interview being the combine, the pro day kind of being a, a second interview. And, yeah, I I, I – 
I think a lot of times it's just uh, to, to do that. And of course, the media latches on to everything. Let's talk a little bit about the New York Giants. The Giants um, traded uh, to Ch- Jason Pierre-Paul to Tampa. Let's hope he can get his hands around that playbook. Dun, dun, dun. No, <laughs> Brad. <laughs> but <laughs> that was bad, wasn't it? That's terrible. I, I, need, I, need, I need help. I'm going. I'm going straight to hell. But you know, here's the thing: we were talking about Bradley Chubb, uh, uh, the the defensive end out of North Carolina State. There's always a chance the Giants could trade this pick if someone is looking for a king's ransom. But I see them picking up uh, so a up the best pass rusher in the draft draft after trading uh, Jason Pierre-Paul to Tampa. That Barkley, maybe. There? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think uh, I think Bradley Chubb makes the most sense uh, this year. Next year, though, they're really going to have to start thinking quarterback. I think Eli has only got one or two seasons left. And I, I think they're going to start thinking quarterback there in New York. I don't think they can get somebody for agency next year or two. But I just feel like Eli is uh, he's at the tail end of his career. I think he's – I don't know how much more he has in the gas tank to give, but I just feel like one or two more seasons, Eli's going to be out. And uh, so they need to start taking quarterback soon. Maybe not this year, but definitely next draft. Yeah, I mean, they think they, they've got to certainly be preparing for the uh, uh, moving on of uh, Eli Manning. Um, he's not as good as his brother, but as we do know, age is not a friend of, of the quarterback. Uh, look at number three. That's where the Colts were at, and now this is where the Jets are at. Uh, uh, they need a quarterback, and I think the most logical person for them to draft is Josh Rosen, quarterback out of UCLA. Yeah, they're definitely going quarterback there. That's the whole reason why they traded up. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Rosen or Josh Allen. I don't know which what they're looking for for their their system that they run, run in New York. I don't know which one fits their needs better. But definitely, it's going to be Josh Rosen, Rosen or Josh Allen. So now we're back to number four, where the Cleveland Browns have another pick. And uh, a lot of people think uh, that this is going to be another spot for Barkley if he's still available. It's going to be a lot. I'm going to be shocked, shocked, shocked if Barkley's still available uh, when at, at number six. But uh, Shaquan Barkley, Penn State, uh, I just think they're going to gobble him up. I, I agree, man. I think this uh, fourth, the number four pick, Cleveland's second pick in the top five is the most dangerous spot. And if Barkley's on the board at number four, uh, they're going to say Quan Barkley. There's no reason to go anybody else. Uh, maybe an outside chance to take Quentin Nelson because Joe Thomas just retired. But uh, I, I don't know. I think if, if Saquon's still there at number four, uh, he'll be at Cleveland Brown. Number five, the Broncos, they uh, need a, a long-term answer. Josh Allen is that answer out of Wyoming. Uh, Case Keenum is an uh, ideal stopgap, if you will, uh, and, but uh, his signing is not going to do anything to solve their long-term problem. No, but I do think he's going to be their starter, at least for this, this coming season. I don't think John Elway is the uh, type of owner that's just going to draft the uh, rookie quarterback and then throw him in there. I, I do think – Case Keenan had a good enough season with the Vikings. He was great the playoffs. I think that's going to earn him the starting job, and they're probably going to stick with him as long as they're having some type of success. Uh, maybe they draft a quarterback to sit behind Keenan, but I think Keenan's going to be the uh, uh, week one starter and probably stay that way as long as the uh, the Broncos are having some sort of uh, success with him. 
And we talked a little bit about the Colts. We, I mean, I think a lot of people think that if Barkley's there, shocker if he is, but if he is there, I think the Colts got to pick him up and, and, and just grab him while he's hot. I don't think he'll be there. Uh, certainly, uh, we think that Bradley Chubb is going to be gone by that point, uh, either by the Browns or, or, or the Giants or somebody ahead of them. So that leaves Quentin Nelson to the Colts. I think that's a logical assumption at this point. Uh, we'd have to be one of those interdimensional time-traveling vampires to know for sure. But I think that <laughs> that, that the Colts right. will, will land with uh, Notre, Notre Dame uh, guy from uh, uh, Notre Dame, uh, Quentin Nelson. And then we look at number seven, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Mink. Uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, quarter, quarterback, uh, quarterback, cornerback out of Alabama. There's some question as to whether or not Fitzpatrick is a corner or a safety in the NFL, but nobody doubts the talent, and then he'll end up in Tampa most logically in the number seven pick. Yeah, definitely by far the, the, the best defensive back and one of the best defensive players in, in the draft this year. Uh, just going back to the Colts and, you know, how Frank Reich and was going, went up to South Bend. Uh, I won't read too much into that because that's just a short drive for Frank Reich to go up to South Bend and talk to Clinton Nelson. Uh, but, yeah, if he's there at six, it's going to be Clinton Nelson. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick to the Buccaneers, though. Uh, let's not forget about Nick Chubb. I don't know where Nick Chubb, uh, if, if he's moved up in the draft or down, that is a great running back also, and he's definitely a first-rounder. If they need a running back in Tampa, they might go Nick Chubb. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, though, if they're looking for a, a defensive back, I mean, he's, he's going to be there, and he's the best one in the draft. So that makes sense to me, Minka Fitzpatrick, because I just don't know where Nick Chubb is falling in in the draft just yet. Well, I don't I don't either, and uh, I, I, I'm just trying to think who would, who would most logically uh, pick him up. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to just put a pencil to it and and figure we, it out. We would we'll need the spreadsheets on, uh, on on everybody's needs. That's what we would need. Yeah. <laughs> well, at the number eight pick is the Chicago Bears, who always have needs. Uh, the 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 thinking would be they would go after Ronquan Smith, uh, a linebacker out of Georgia. The Bears have addressed the needs at wide receiver and cornerback. In free agency, but still need uh, someone to play uh, inside linebacker in their three-four scheme there. Yeah, and it, it would also make sense if they if they go uh, for receivers also because they got to get Mitchell Trubisky some uh, some weapons. So uh, they they have Jordan Howard, he, uh, uh, who's the other, who's the other running back there in Chicago. They have a great uh, quarterback combo, a running back combo in Chicago. Uh, but they need need some receivers. They Trubisky has to be able to throw the ball to somebody, but I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to go really heavy offense because of who their new head coach is, and then uh, their offensive coordinator now is Markel Frick, and then they picked up Harry Heinstein, who is the uh, was the offensive line coach from Notre Dame. So they're bringing in this college uh, heavy offensive type people. So I would think they're probably going to open up the uh, open up the playbook, spread play, uh, teams out, and I think in the draft they're going to go offense. A couple more teams here. We'll just go through the top ten for now. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, Denzel Ward, cornerback out of Ohio State, the Ohio State University. The Niners signed Richard Sherman but still need help at corner. They take Ward, who might be the best pure cover corner in his draft. Yeah, and I I think the Niners are going to be like, Sneaky good. I don't know if sneaky good is going to be the term for them anymore now that Jimmy Garoppolo's there and is like 6-0 as a starter with them. Uh, but 
they're really going to make a push to the playoffs this year. I, I feel like that. They can get some uh, defensive help, and uh, they're going to be that much better. Well, the team that can't do anything but get better, and that's the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, linebacker out of Virginia Tech, will land there at number 10. His young, he's young, and there's a lot, a lot of projection to him at this point, but Edmonds has a chance to be a huge monster in the black and silver. I think so, too. And I also think he's just one of those John Gruden-type guys that John Gruden loves, and that would be a perfect fit for the Raiders if that's who they get in the draft. That's one of those John Gruden guys. Uh, I think Oakland's going to be a tougher team now with Gruden, so that pick makes sense, and uh, we're going to see the Raiders maybe get things turned around this season. Absolutely. A little college uh, talk a little bit. You know, I heard on uh, Clay Travis actually was talking about it this week about Butch Jones being a college intern uh, for Nick Saban. <laughs> that to me is just comical. And that whole, I don't know if you heard this at all this week. Is year old intern? I mean, what is, what is that? <laughs> uh, and uh, what did Nick Saban say? Well, he won't be on the field. He is an intern. Uh, I don't know if you heard Clay's show yesterday talking about the, the mammoth uh, pages of text and stuff that went through this whole uh, debacle on hiring a new coach at Tennessee, but it's just laughable. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I didn't, I didn't hear any of that. I didn't listen to parts of his show yesterday, but I didn't catch any of that. <laughs> Well, just just download the podcast. You'll be just fine, sir. All right, well, let's get back into this uh, college uh, uh, basketball talk here. I am lost my place here. Stand by. Okay, so one of the things I want to talk about was Purdue. (laughs) Isaac Haas, I thought it was great how the students, uh, they uh, leave it to the engineering students at Purdue to design a uh, specially made cast or sling, whatever you want to call it, for Isaac Haas. It wasn't enough. Texas Tech was just a little too much for uh, Purdue. I think a lot of people thought this would be the year that Purdue and Matt Painter and Purdue could get to the Final Four. That didn't happen. Talk with us about the Purdue Boilermaker journey that ended last night. Yeah, I think this was, good. This was their best shot they've had in the past, I don't know, four or five years. I thought they were crazy good this year. Great shot to get to the Final Four. Uh, I just didn't know. The only thing I didn't know about them, if they got in these games, if they was getting the tournament and play against someone like Duke or you know, one of these other elite teams, how they would do really late in the game when the pressure when the game is resting on their shoulders. Uh, I know Isaac Haas is an experienced player, but once you get past him, they have a lot of younger classmen. You know, so I just wanted to know how uh, they they would fare late in games. And I guess last night we kind of just saw that uh, Texas Tech is really good this year. Uh, I just take nothing away from Purdue. It's a great season. Even though I'm not a U fan, I'll give credit to Purdue. I will love to see an Indiana team get this far in the tournament. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought Purdue was filthy this year. So it's just kind of unfortunate that happened to uh, Isaac Haas in the tournament. And uh, But, yeah, this is uh, probably one of their – they're probably not going to get another shot like this again for the next couple of years because I think uh, I think uh, IE is going to slot in to start uh, you know making their own run now that Archie's there. I uh, I hope so. 
I, I hope he doesn't take any uh, plays out of his brother's playbook, but that's neither here nor there. So let's talk a little right. bit about, you know, I, you know, as we know, this has been a, a crazy implosion of brackets. So really nobody's really much alive yet, but there was a good game yesterday that I think a lot of people still had inside their brackets, and, and I think it kind of played out as a lot of people thought it would be, and that is Clemson and Kansas. Uh, uh, Clemson played a pretty good game and has had a pretty solid season, but the Jayhawks were a little bit too much for them last night. Yeah, and this is one of those brackets I think you called so far. You got Kansas uh, winning it in one of your brackets. Uh, with the way this tournament has shaped yeah. out now, Kansas and Villanova are probably, probably your favorites to make it to the championship game. I don't know what side of the brackets they both wind up on. I don't think they would play each other for the title, but just, I don't have it in front of me. But I, I would say one of those two. I got Villanova winning, but if it ain't going to be Nova, it's starting to look like it might be Kansas. Well, I'll tell you what, whoever you had in the South, nobody had – everybody in the South bracket has got to be busted. It's just – I mean, it's just got to be. I had Cincinnati oh, going yeah, all the way yeah. in that bracket, and that, and that, that didn't happen. Another uh, game uh, yesterday, Villanova is still a reason why they're number one seed, and they, and they uh, had no problem taking on the Mountaineers of West Virginia. Uh, the number five seed uh, 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 certainly failed 90 to uh, 78 yesterday. They move on. A lot of people have them moving on to the championship game and to the, be the, a, a, a championship uh, champion, uh, NCAA champion this year. I'll get it out one way or the other. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, this game was actually a lot closer than what the score ended up being, 12 points. Uh, I, I watched this game yesterday. I mean, Villanova was down that game for a great, a good portion of the game because West Virginia is also one of those crazy athletic teams like uh, Texas Tech is. Uh, just a really great team. You got a feeling Nova will come back and take the lead and not get the lead back up again. That's what happened. But uh, West Virginia had the lead for much of this game, so it wasn't smooth sailing for Villanova. I don't know if it's the opponent. They had a bad night. I believe it was just the opponent because West Virginia's tough, tough team to, to to get a win against. But Nova does what great teams do. They find a way to win. They pull it out. But it was a lot closer game than that 12-point victory. Yeah, and, you know, the thing about it is the, the Mountaineers are always a good team. Don't get me wrong. It's just that Villanova, and, and you know, honestly, I I don't have them in any of my, as far as ones where I'm going to be making any money on, uh, to be uh, the, the champion. So I kind of hope they, they, uh, they, do, uh, they do fall. One more game from last night, Syracuse Orange against the Duke. Blue Devils. Duke can get beat people. Let's not let's not convince ourselves that Duke is going to be the the 2018 champion. Duke is weak. Duke can't get beat. Uh, Duke very well might get beat uh, um, tomorrow. Very well might get beat against Kansas tomorrow. That's going to be a great game. We're going to break that down in a minute here when we get uh, uh, Mo on with us. But uh, uh, talk with us a little bit about last night's Syracuse Duke game. Yeah, that's a game I actually didn't catch last night, but uh, I do know Duke got the win. Uh, you know how Duke does in these tournaments. They don't look convincing in a lot of games, and they look great in other games, and I still just can't get a good read on them uh, you know, in this tournament. I don't think they're going to have what it takes to beat Kansas. Uh, I think uh, that bracket where you have Kansas winning, I think uh, that's a good pick. I, I think Kansas will beat them tomorrow. It just comes down to Grayson Allen and Marvin Bagley Jr. Uh, I think 
as much as I don't really like or care for Grayson Allen, he is probably a top five player in the country. And Marvin Bagley, I, I, I he's going to be the best player in the country if he stays. Uh, I know he's a freshman, but uh, if he stays next year, he'll be the best player in the country. So they got some growing to do. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's that's the uh, that's the reason why I, I'm, I'm not sold on Duke. But I think Kansas will get the win tomorrow. Well, and we'll see, absolutely. And Mo's running a few minutes behind, but we'll get his thoughts on it as well. Let's get into today's game. All right, this is it. All right, Sister Jean has got the anointment of God. Those last-minute shots have got to be God just grabbing a hold of that ball and putting it in the basket for Loyola of Chicago. That has to be what's going on. Either that or Sister Jean, as as Clay said, has sold her soul to the devil. Uh, But either which way, Loyola, Chicago, and Kansas State Bearcats, I think Loyola can get all the way to the Final Four. Uh, if Texas keep playing the way they are playing against these, uh, it be elite competition. Kansas State should be no big deal for them, right? So <laughs> I'm not going to say that, that they are going to beat Kansas State, but look at who they played up to this point and how they got to play Kansas State. It's crazy. It's nuts to think about. And shout out to Missouri Valley Conference, by the way. Uh, but I'm really pulling for Loyola here. Uh, I think against Kansas State, they have a great chance at to get it done, and nuts to think about that Loyola was a Final Four team. I can't even fathom it right now, but it's, it's crazy. And the whole Sister Jean thing is, uh, that's pretty incredible. That's great. She, I think she did sell her soul to the devil. Uh, there's some kind of deal that <laughs> it is, but Loyola back into the Final Four is just, uh, that's tough to think about. If you had told me before the season even started, Loyola was a Final Four team, or even an Elite Eight team, I would have laughed at you, and I were talk to you again. Never called in on the show. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, I think they have a great chance against Kansas State. I think they're going to get it done. I think they're going to be in the Final Four. It's nuts. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, but Florida State Seminoles and Michigan Wolverines. Michigan seems to have everything in line. Uh, you know, if you're an Ohio State fan, you're, you're hating Michigan right now. Uh, but if you're a Michigan fan, uh, yes, you've got to be happy uh, with the Wolverines. And certainly Big Ten being represented in the Final Four, if not the championship game, is a very real possibility. Uh, I actually think that Florida State will get this win. I've seen Florida State twice in Nashville play. That is a gritty, tough team. Uh, it, they, you know, they beat down Xavier. And they, they they beat up Missouri. Uh, they play everybody really tough. They some gritty guys, and I can't think of his name, but their center is seven foot four. Now session three, we had we were sitting almost mid court, twelve rolls from the court, and this seven foot four kid comes walking out, and you're like, holy hell, that that dude is huge. You know that this this is a Florida State. They are a tough team. And I think they're going to get it done against Michigan. So Florida State and Loyola in the Final Four, incredible to think about. Well, let's uh, let's break down tomorrow's game. Texas Tech, Villanova. Uh, Texas Tech, as, as we've proven, the Red Raiders are a, a good team, good enough to beat Purdue. Purdue was good enough to get to the Final Four, I thought. Uh, so uh, Villanova does have their work cut out for them, but I still think Villanova moves on past Texas Tech. Yeah, I'm sticking with Villanova. I mean, they're tough. They're they're experienced. Uh, one of the best head coaches in the game with Jay Wright. Uh, it's just 
I think Nova's going to uh, they're going to make quick work of Texas Tech, but I think they'll they'll get the job done and uh, they're going to move on. So I got them winning. So that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Duke Kansas. That's going to be one of the most watched games of the weekend. Uh, certainly uh, number one, number two. I think a lot of people have both of those teams. One of the other ones going to the final four. Uh, so uh, Duke, Kansas, which one of them make it out to San Antonio? I think it's I think it's going to be Kansas. You know how Kansas does every year. They're always one of the favorites, and they don't get past the Elite Eight or something like that. But I think they're going to get over the hump. I think this is the year for them to do it. I think uh, it's going to be a great game. It's one of these uh, games that you really would love to watch on TV, you know, and uh, – because it brings, brings to my next question after, after we're done with this. But anyway, I think uh, Kansas gets it done against Duke. Go ahead. What's your question? All right. So, with all the crazy upsets happening this year, would you rather see these upsets? Because, you know, they're fun and, and whatever. It's all good. Or would you rather see the elite teams play each other? Would you, have, would you rather see more games like this Duke-Kansas game? instead of Loyola versus Florida State. You know what I mean? Would you rather have the upsets or see the uh, elite competition play each other? I enjoy both because I think one of the things that makes the attraction, the draw, if you will, to uh, the NCAA, where where, where it's so popular among people who don't, maybe a lot of times don't watch a single game, but they'll they'll, they'll fill out a bracket. Uh, I think that's the draw of the uh, what, uh, win or go home uh, thing is, is great because it does allow for your teams like Loyola of Chicago to, to shine. And a lot of times a lot of people may not even know who they are. So from that aspect of it, I think it's great uh, for, the, for the sport. Um, now, as far as I, – I think, honestly, if we had a, a chalk uh, tournament every year, it would get boring to me. So I like having the the implosions and, and things that we saw, even though, you know, I may have lost 20 or 30 bucks. Uh, I like seeing that because I think it just adds to the thrill of it. I think it would get boring if you just watched chalk all the time. You don't you, you think so? Well, I, I, I agree with you, like, about everything you said. I, I love the implosion. I love seeing the upsets and all that, too. But I could see – where whatever the ratings are going to be for Duke, Kansas, and then compare that to Loyola versus Florida State, you know, and, and, and see what the difference is. So, well, everything that's great about the tournament, I also think in the long run also hurts it because if they're trying to, for TV ratings, a TV grab or ratings grab, whatever you want to call it, and then you go these upsets, to me, in a way, that kind of hurts things a bit. Even though we all want to see the tournament, you see these upsets, but I just think when you don't have the elite teams playing each other towards the end, then that's what the problem is. It's great to have all these upsets up front, but then as things play out, the elite teams still stick around and stay in it. You know, I think maybe that is what's missing this year because that Duke-Kansas game is going to be excellent. Great uh, must-see TV as opposed to that Loyola-Florida State game. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think people like to see as we get closer to the 
to the championship game, people like to see it kind of level itself out. So that's why this Duke-Kansas is going to be a, a, a great matchup. Let's pick our final four then. Um, final four coming, uh, who, do we, who do we got? Let's see, I'm going to go with Villanova. Uh, again, Loyola, I think they're going to be right there in the fi- uh, final four. Uh, and then I got Michigan and Kansas. Those are going to be my final four. Michigan, Kansas, Loyola, and Villanova. Yeah, I'm going to go to Kansas, Nova, Loyola, Florida State, my final four. Championship game goes to? Oh, Nova. That, that's going to be no. I don't know which side of the bracket teams are on, but uh, I got Nova winning it. They're still in it, so I'm sticking with Nova. Uh, Nova would be on the left side of the bracket, I believe. Because they they are on the same bracket side as Loyola, so yeah, the left side of your bracket. Yeah. Well, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know what teams could play against Nova in the championship game. You know what I mean? Well, if you go with my Final Four, it's either going to be can, Michigan or Kansas. Yeah, yeah. That's if you go with if my Final Nova, Four, pick, hey, if it's Nova and Kansas, that'd be great. That'd be the game I'd root for: Nova Kansas championship game right now. So <laughs> I would. We'll I go would, with that. Right. Right now, right now, I think the championship game would go to uh, Michigan and Nova, and I'm going to make a bold prediction here that Michigan's going to win it all. Could be a a, a, a fluke thing, but we'll oh, see cool. what happens. <laughs> uh, well, I just, we've been uh, standing. Man, I, I, I see. <laughs> we've been standing by for Mo. Mo said he's running a few errands. He's running a few minutes late, so hopefully he's able to to jump on. Uh, with us uh, here uh, soon, but uh, let's go back. Let's jump back and pick up back up where we were at uh, with the NFL draft, and then we get to Mo. We'll go back to March Madness and talk a little bit to him about the NFL as well. So we left off with the Miami Dolphins. I think a lot of people think uh, Vita V, uh, defensive line out of Washington, after losing uh, Sue, we'll just say Sue, uh, the Dolphins uh, drafted a potential replacement, one that doesn't cost nearly as much as Sue. Uh, the Dolphins go with Vita V, uh, defensive lineman out of Washington. Yeah, and they also just picked up Frank Gore, right? And uh, I know they, you know, lose they lost yep. to. I don't know if Sue signed anybody yet, but uh, I think that's cool. And then uh, they might want to go some get some offensive line help. Is that uh, is that what you just said from Washington? I think he's D line, right? Yes, defensive lineman. Yes, out of out of Washington. Yeah, you they know, might want to be trying to replace the Dominican Sue, but they might need to go like offensive line uh, to help protect the quarterback and. Uh, Hey, you know, Gore's getting some miles on his leg, so they need to get a running game going. They might want to go line in that, that spot. Yeah, and so uh, the number 12 pick, Buffalo has been uh, talked about maybe making a move for something up there with uh, the, the Giants or something along those ways uh, where they might give a king's ransom and uh, give the farm away to, to move up to number two. Um, but I think even if they stay where they're at, they're still, they can still get a good quarterback in Baker Mayfield out of Oklahoma. I mean, I have no doubt that the Bills will want to trade up to the top four if they can, but, again, they're going to have to make that King's ransom. Are they willing to do that? But if, so if they fail, fail to make a deal, I, I think they can still land uh, Baker Mayfield at, at number 12. Yeah, I, I'm not real sure if Baker's a first-round quarterback, uh, maybe. 
but I do think the Bills are going to draft a quarterback. Okay, it's, you know, Tyrod Taylor, Taylor now got rid of him. He's now probably going to be a starter in, uh, in Cleveland. So uh, I think they are going to go quarterback if they can make another trade to get up closer because uh, it's either going to be Rosen or Allen, Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. But I think Buffalo's going quarterback for their first pick in the first round. You know, I also saw yesterday where Brock Osweiler is going to be signing with the Dolphins, too, so we didn't talk about that. So that might uh, come into play on who they, um, who, they, uh, who, they, who they draft or who they don't draft <laughs> or, or what have you. So uh, now we go to well, the It's, it's, it's crazy with hit. me. It's crazy with me for him because he did so, so good at the Broncos when Peyton Manning is, what, just retired or he – had was injured or whatever it was, or Osweiler had to come in and play some games and did so good and had that huge contract with Houston. And But since he got that huge contract, he disappeared. Now, I don't know what happened to Brock Osweiler. I keep wanting to think he, he, he's a he's a decent enough quarterback, but past couple seasons, you know, just doesn't, he doesn't show up on the field. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a good deal for the Dolphins or not. Absolutely, and uh, so we're at number 13, the Washington Redskins, Josh Jackson, cornerback out of Iowa, uh, a uh, Bashad Breland replacement uh, who could prove to be a better playmaker in the Washington secondary, but honestly, the Washington is probably the most jacked-up team with the most jacked-up owners, so it's very hard to predict what the Washington Redskins are going to do. <laughs> yeah, and then just uh, letting Kirk Cousins go to Minnesota, it doesn't uh... – hasn't helped them much either. I mean, I, I don't know who they're going to uh, replace him at quarterback now. Uh, I, I don't know who their backups were. I don't know what they've done in free agency, but uh, I, I don't know their team needs. They need, they have needs all over the field because they uh, <laughs> they are really that screwed up. So you're right. Uh, I don't know what their needs are, so I couldn't even venture a guess on who they might be trying to go after. Number 14 pick, the Green Bay Packers, Marcus Davenport, defensive lineman out of UTSA. Uh, this could be the perfect spot for Davenport, both in, in round and landing, in a, in a landing spot, if you will. He's somewhat of a, of a project that could give the Packers a boost on the outside while allowing them to move Clay Matthews to the inside. Green Bay Packers at number 14, Marcus Davenport, uh, defensive lineman out of UT, UTSA. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, that'd be a great pick now that Julius Peppers is no longer in, in Green Bay. Uh, and it's not, now we're talking about Green Bay. You know what happened to Sean Kaiser, don't you? He's uh, Aaron Rodgers' backup. So Rodgers gets hurt again. It's Notre Dame time, but they're in Green Bay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Irish being represented. I, I don't know. I wish I wish Ed was here with this because he had Brett Hundley as uh Rodgers quarterback, and he played pretty good, I thought, when Rodgers was hurt, and I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if they released him. He went to sign for another team. I, I don't know, but Deshaun Kaiser is the backup now in uh, in Green Bay. Yes, he is. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure of everything that came to uh, came together on, on that deal. Uh, yeah, no, Ed's going to join us on our official draft show. Uh, we're just talking draft uh, today, uh, but it's kind of a, a filler in between uh, game talk. Oh, yeah, definitely. Michael Bennett, Michael Bennett I- indicted for uh, injuring a paraplegic <laughs> woman at the, uh, against the Super Bowl. And uh, 
Okay, uh, the, the talk was he went out to help celebrate with his brother or something to that effect. Uh, first of all, they were losing. Uh, second of all, you don't push over a paraplegic. He's uh, reportedly uh, supposed to be uh, turning himself into Houston police today. And uh, that would be another thing. That'd be another thing I'd want to, want to talk to Ed about because Ed's like, "Oh man, this is a guy yeah. to change guys, a real leader in the locker room." Blah 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 blah. Well, well, apparently not. Well, when I when I saw this story yesterday, that uh, Ed's the first person I thought of. It's like, "Oh man, you know," because I don't think he's really convinced that you know when the Eagles picked up uh, Michael Bennett, that he, I don't think Ed was really all that happy about it, you know. So. He was the first person I thought of when I saw this story. And uh, it is ESPN's uh, spokesperson, by the way, Michael Bennett, for uh, all the police brutality and, and everything. That's who ESPN picked to, talk, to speak on it. You know, and then paraplegic. You know, Andrew's a paraplegic. I mean, uh, this guy shouldn't be in the league. I mean, he is uh, uh, hes not a good dude. He should not be in the league. And I don't know, I think I read the – prison sentence could be up to 10 years for something like this. He won't see a day of jail time, but whatever he did, whatever her injuries were, it's a pretty serious thing, so uh, he looks like he's in a lot of trouble, and I I hope justice is served for him, because he's not he's not a good individual. <laughs> no. Not at all. Not at all. Well, let's get back <laughs> on track here. The number, the number 15 pick, Lamar Jackson, quarterback out of Louisville, Another team that could look to move up. Uh, the Cardinals will take a QB at some point, and Jackson is an intriguing prospect and one uh, who can take uh, time to learn uh, from Sam Bradford. Um, and so we'll, we'll see what happens there. So he'll go from being a Cardinal to being a Cardinal. Yeah, and if he's back at Sam Bradford in Arizona, uh, just wait about two games and Lamar Jackson be the starter because Bradford will be injured. So <laughs> he better learn something quick <laughs> if he's going to be a Sam Bradford's uh, backup. And everything that yeah, and everything that I that I've read about Lamar Jackson, people are saying, well, maybe he should try as receiver or returning kicks or something. No, that's bullcrap. Uh, he needs to stick with quarterback. And the things that I've seen is most quarterback and not all quarterback coaches are really impressed with what he's been able to to do so far in his pro days and throwing at the combine. You know, watched him throw, and all of his footwork at quarterback. Uh, these guys are impressed with him at quarterback. He's going to stay quarterback. So all this stuff that he might transfer into receiver, uh, that's not going to happen. He's a quarterback. Uh, coaching, the coaches love him at quarterback. And if he's going to be Sam Bradford's backup, be ready to go by week three. Yeah, and uh, Sam Bradford's still going to be getting paid. So <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> I don't think he cares. I don't think he really cares at all. Uh, we're at the number 16 slot, Baltimore Ravens, Calvin Ridley, uh, wide receiver, Alabama. Uh, I don't think Ridley is the type of the true number one receiver in the NFL, but he's still a major upgrade to Baltimore's receiver corpse, that's for sure. He's really a small receiver, and yeah, <laughs> he's really a small receiver, and if anybody really needs a, a – he's good, he's fast, but he's on the small side for a receiver – and if anybody was a need receiver uh, a little earlier, it, it would be the Bears, but they're picking kind of high to go as a receiver that early. So if Baltimore needs a receiver, I mean, it makes sense there, but 
I mean, with that college offense, uh, I think the Bears are going to try to run. They're going to need a lot of offensive weapons, and really, to me, it makes sense uh, for the Bears. But if he's on the board for uh, Ravens, makes sense, too, because I know Flacco needs some uh, offensive help because that team is falling apart. At number 17, we've got the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, which used to be the San Diego Chargers. Uh, Connor Williams, offensive tackle. Phil River, uh, Phillip Rivers uh, could use some help at tackle. Uh, Phillip Rivers could use all the help he could get. He's another one of the aging quarterbacks. Certainly entered the NFL at the same time uh, as Eli Manning did and uh, was uh, known for becoming a part of the uh, Chargers in the Manning Giants swap. So uh, the Chargers are doing the, are dealing with the same thing age-wise uh, with a quarterback as, as well. But at, at, in this year's draft, uh, it looks like they could be taking Connor Williams' offensive tackle from Texas. And that would be great because uh, the Chargers actually at one point were really close to making the playoffs. I, I think the last two or three weeks of the season they had a couple losses there to, put him out but all those games were just won by Phillip Rivers because he's a really good quarterback he's still got some athletic ability for his age but he has no offensive line help so he had to run for his life basically then all, all these games that he pulled him out in so if they got him some help um, that might make a difference in winning a couple more games and getting a wild card or, or something like that but yeah these are all line help and that pick makes sense uh, for the Chargers. Number 18, the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks have totally uh, given away the farm, if you will, and uh, nobody's there implosion. that was there. And, uh, an implosion, absolutely. Uh, Cortland Sutland, wide receiver out of SMU, the Seahawks, could go 100 different directions here. Uh, but uh, certainly if we're just looking at a mock draft exercise uh, with what's left on the board, I see them giving uh, uh, Russell Wilson a weapon, and Cortland Sutton would be a good weapon for him, wide receiver out of SMU. Yeah, they might go tight in also because Jimmy Graham also just uh, – hey, he's not there no more. He doesn't even have a – you know, tied in now. So I don't know if you go offense. I mean, they're losing all their guys on defense. The Legion of Boom is no more. They won their Super Bowl on the back of their well, defense. Do they try to rebuild that defense? <laughs> Pete Carroll is a defensive guy. So, it, it, yeah, Russell Wilson needs weapons, but the head coach is a defensive guy. I'm kind of thinking they might try to rebuild that defense and rebuild the uh, the same way they just had their recent success, and that was just on the back of their defense you know, keep them close in games and let Russell Wilson make plays. But they're going to get some weapons for Russell Wilson, too. So it's hard for me to say which direction they'll go. But they want to reestablish that team the, the exact same way. They'll probably work on defense first. Speaking of the Legion of Boom, joining us now is Mr. Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, how are you, sir? Are you getting, You're probably not getting the snow that we're getting here in Indianapolis. I am getting snow, and uh, it uh, made some lazy bastard not coming to work today, so I'm actually doing a show today that I'm not supposed to be doing. So I'm in a commercial break, so I figured I'd give you guys a call, and let's chat. All right, we'll give you That's a cool, appreciate you, uh, taking, some, <laughs> uh, t- taking some time for us. So I don't know how long your commercial break is, so we'll, we'll just kind of have you just summarize everything for us. We've got the Elite Eight, the Final Four we were talking about. Uh, who, who do you got going that way? And then we were talking a little bit about – the uh, NFL draft and the Colts uh, moving back to the Jets, which seemed to make a lot of sense. 
Uh, so go ahead, uh, chime in on March Madness or the NFL because we want to make sure that we can maximize you for the time that we have you. Well, you know, I like the way Michigan was shooting the ball the other night, but uh, we've seen after they've had a layoff uh, that, uh, that they tend to back off a little bit, as we saw last weekend. So uh, I, I would assume the hot shooting continues today, but uh, the week off it would make me unsure. I really like Loyola Chicago, man. I, I, that's that's the team I'm pushing for. They're a fun team. They're fun to watch. So I'm hoping that uh, that they'll be able to move forward. Uh, Duke obviously hung on and won last night. That zone uh, that they play is a killer if you don't know how to attack a zone. Uh, that was fun. Uh, Purdue going out, uh, not surprising. Again, Matt Painter seems to choke when it comes to uh, to big games. So, uh, you know, with Kentucky out, uh, there's no reason that Loyola Chicago can't uh, win this basketball game tonight. Uh, as far as the NFL goes, you know, I, I was a little upset. Uh, with, uh, we were on, actually on the phone last week, Tom, you and I, when uh, when we got the initial mm-hmm. report of Chris Ballard trading backwards. He's done a little bit of stuff this week, and it seems like the trade makes sense. It just uh, – uh, hopefully uh, they've got a plan in place that maybe we don't know about yet or we haven't seen develop because I haven't been too impressed uh, of, of what uh, Ballard's done so far. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and try to keep a positive attitude. But uh, if they tank the draft, uh, I'm going to be uh, one pissed off mofo. One pissed off mofo. Uh, Rick, I think you'll agree with this as well. We talked about this earlier, but uh, do you think a good spot there would be Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame? Yeah, definitely. And they, uh, but like I also said, we got some of these teams trading up because they're definitely going quarterback. The more these teams trade up to go quarterback, the little further down Saquon Barkley is going to drop. So Barkley might be there at five or six. If they don't get Barkley, they're going to get Quentin Nelson. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is is that if you look, uh, if I'm the Browns, if I draft Sam Donald at one, I'm definitely taking Saquon Barkley at uh, at four. Right, and that's, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and and if they don't, if they don't, I, I really see him taking Quentin Nelson at four because with the retirement of Joe Thomas, they need to show up that offensive line. I think what the Bears are really hoping for is to be able to – I wouldn't be shocked if the Bears try to move or, or hope that Quentin Nelson falls to them so he can be reunited with his former line coach. Uh, you know, that's uh, – the biggest pickup so far this year for the Bears has been hiring him away from Notre Dame. Uh, you know, uh, Quentin Nelson and the Colts will be fun. I think at this point uh, people know that Andrew Luck needs protected, but I think people are really hoping this year that the Colts really make a bang with a playmaker. And, and Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, is that guy. And it seemed like that uh, they could have really made uh, that pick at, at three. But, you know, with how deep this draft is, picking up those extra second-round picks I think was big for the Colts. Let's just hope that they don't botch it because, you know, we've seen the Colts over the last – Three or four years, we've been back into the Ryan Griggs era, make terrible uh, draft picks in the first and second round. So we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Where does Bradley Chubb end up at, Mo? You know, if if the Giants don't go quarterback, I think he winds up with the New York Giants after the trading of uh, JPP. I, I really think that the uh, Giants are high on Chubb. And I think that he could be a guy that goes second if the uh, Giants don't trade out of that pick or they don't try, also try to go quarterback. Uh, I think he's a guy that's worthy of a second-round pick. He's a very talented guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, a couple of people have said that he's one of the most talented pass rushers they've ever seen. So, uh, you know, he's a guy I think that could go to the Giants. Well, we appreciate you joining us. I know you got to jump back up on the air there, but uh, we appreciate you taking some time during your commercial break uh, to give us a call. Any final words of wisdom, sir? No, Rick, Tom, I love you guys. All right, buddy. You have yourself a good weekend. Thank you, Bo. Thank you. Try to, try to stay on. <laughs> All righty. 
<laughs> Mo, Mo, Mo with the BS Sports Show. Now, there's dedication for you. See, see Rick Mountain, man, you, you, you could learn something from Mo. Okay, even though he had a lot going there's on. There's a difference. There's a big to... difference. There's a big difference. <laughs> I've got 30 gals out of beer in my system. That's the last Saturday morning. <laughs> big difference. <laughs> Sometimes, guys, uh, sometimes I've done my best work on Saturday morning with 30 oh, gallons you know of alcohol. I actually did still. call in 10 minutes prior to the show ending, and you just didn't notice. So that's on you. Well, that's, that's because I didn't know you were calling. You didn't tell me you were calling, so I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to the board. Yeah, so I was. My uh, information shows up on, on the on the board. You should have saw it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was I, I was on a different I was on a different thing. I, I wasn't looking at the board, so it's okay. It's all good. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> so final final words of wisdom from you, sir, and uh, we're gonna wrap it up and put a bowl on it today, sir. Okay, so somebody stole flippingthefield.com from me, and that's cool because I was just using a free service <laughs> just to get some writing done and everything, but and I. Uh, the, I did buy. I am the owner of 12versus5.com. Uh, it's got to be built. It exists. If you visit 12versus5.com right now, uh, it's just going to say coming soon. But I'm going to work on building it this weekend, uh, get it up and going. Uh, that That is the uh, the thing, 12versus5. The reason why I call it 12versus5 is because uh, that's the most dangerous uh, seating for upsets in the uh, basketball tournament, that 12versus5 matchup. Plus, all the good sports things are taken, but I think 12 versus 5 is cool, cool enough. So, uh, 12 versus 5.com, it's not just going to be a basketball site. It's going to be various things. But it is a thing. It's just not up and running. It just says coming soon if you go visit it. And you can find me on Twitter at Rig underscore Rick. So, so now everybody's going to go out and buy uh, 12 uh, versus 5.org. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, .org, yeah. Well, he had the .org all he wanted, but I own the .com, so. <laughs> there you go, the .com, 12 versus 5 .com. The .coms rule the world. .coms rule the world. We will make sure that when it's up and running, we have a link uh, to our website at www.thebalanceonline.com. So, all right, Rick, you have yourself a good weekend, and we'll talk with you again soon, and, and uh, hopefully uh, your bracket stays somewhat intact uh, through championship weekend. Yeah. <laughs> have a good weekend yourself, buddy. Talk to you later. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Rick Riggin, uh, all-around good guy, college analyst, calling from Evansville, Indiana, certainly does some uh, writing uh, for The Balance and does some blogging as well. So make sure you check out his work coming soon, 12versus5.com. Thank you to Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, calling talk a little IndyCar uh, with us as they get ready to get geared up for Phoenix. And he certainly talked a little March Madness with us as well. Uh, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, uh, our official NASCAR contributor joined us, uh, talking with us a little bit about NASCAR and Martinsville this weekend, and certainly talking with us a little bit about his Florida State Seminoles. And thank you to Rick Riggin for joining me the last hour here as we broke down March Madness and uh, give you a preview on the, to the NFL draft. And thank you, Mo, for taking time to jump off the air, go into a commercial break, call us. Uh, and, and give us some thoughts as well. My name is Tom Marcos El Presidente. Don't remember to follow us on our social media at T Balance. Remember, don't trick and drive. It isn't cool. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You can catch us on iTunes podcast, 
our Apple Podcast, as, as it's called now, and tune in. My name's Tom Marquis. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.